0: Of the ecclesia, and of course, by now you know that the ecclesia is uh, the word that is being used in the Greek for what we call the church. Okay, I deliberately do not want to use the word church because the word church uh, raises all kind of false connotations. Actually, it's an incorrect uh, translation of the word ecclesia, uh, and also it has uh, been. Loaded up with so many um, with so many uh, false kind of uh, um, images. Uh, you know, when you read uh, journalists writing about the church, uh, it's very interesting how they are using. They say the church says, but who says? maybe one one uh, obscure prophet somewhere, you know, uh, somebody who is a self-appointed somebody. And then they say, the church says. No, the church doesn't say. Okay? So we need to be more clear what is the church. We need to be able to understand what is the true image of the church, what is meant to be the true image of the church. And the true image of the church is very different from what we see today, uh, you know, on social media or on on uh, television in many places you know the church is portraying itself as something that is much more closely related to the standard of the world than to the standard of God and that is really what we want to talk about okay i'm not trying to depress you i'm trying just to remove your the false expectations that may exist you see the biggest problem we have is that you know people come and say i want to go in ministry i want to do this and this And they come with wrong expectations. If they come with wrong expectations because they think, you know, uh, I'm also going to be one of the super apostles, I'm going to be one of the what and what, you know, uh, they they will go into ministry expecting certain things to happen and they're not going to happen. And before long, they will throw the towel or they will... will, you know, reconstruct the church to be something that is completely different from what the church ought, ought to be, okay? So they make it a church instead of an ecclesia. And and that is really uh, the dilemma that we have today. You know, so many um, good images that we are being given, good in the sense of the world, not in, in the sense of God. Uh, many of these good images that, you you like to watch you know where somebody is preaching ever smiling, ever having a, a positive spin on everything. Uh, you you think this is supposed to be the church, but we want to discover what is the ecclesia of God. Okay, what what is God saying? What is God uh, uh, revealing to us uh, in Scripture? How is the how was the first uh, uh, you know ecclesia being constructed. Now, you know, Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not overpower them. But then, how did that happen? And we know one of the prime uh, uh, mover of the of the church has been Paul, the apostle. Of course, uh, even the other apostles were busy in their respective fields. But we don't read as much of them. Uh, For one reason or the other, I don't know how God uh, decided, but uh, it's not that they didn't do their work. They also worked, but, uh, you know, I think uh, God decided that the most accurate uh, kind of reflection that we should have for uh, the the centuries to come, you know, would be what uh, Paul the Apostle has gone through. And that's what we want to take time to 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 look at a little bit more close so in other words we need to throw false expectations overboard because false expectations will always either discourage us or they will mislead us okay either they discourage us and we leave the ministry or they will mislead us and we are building something which is not a church okay that is always at, 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 the, at the center of uh, a wrong expectation, so we must be aware of false expectations. You know, we have uh, this idea in the world that you need to be the best, the most uh, beautiful, the most glorious, the, 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 the one who is, uh, you know, uh, surpassing everybody else, uh, now that is the standard of the world, okay, that is not the standard of God whatsoever. And I think it's important for us to understand that. You know, when we are doing the work of ministry, we are not competing with each other. Okay? We are, we are not having a song contest, who sings best? Or who preaches best? It's not, it, it, that's not a, the, the idea at all. Okay? When we are doing ministry, we must understand what is the call that God has given to us and faithfully fulfill that call. OK, so whether somebody is uh, you know, successful, I, I say this with uh, exclamation marks, uh, in the eyes of the world or even in the eyes of God, somebody is successful and you, are, you, you can't compare with the success somebody else has. That's immaterial. Because the question is, what is that person's call and what is your call? OK? You know, I mean, in our, in, in our human body, there are different members, and of course, you, you know that uh, Paul is talking about that in First uh, um, Corinthians very very uh, uh, explicitly. He, he talks about members like the nose, the ears, uh, you know, the eyes, uh, and and he says those those members which are not prominent, they are being given more prominence uh, in other ways. Okay, now there are certain members in our body which are completely. Obscured okay does it mean uh, your kidneys are not important because they are not seen? No, their call is different. You understand their call is different now, if somebody looks at the head and uh, you know if, if all of the members in the, in the body wants to be the head, uh, then there will be confusion, okay because the body cannot even live without, without the organs that are. Uh, obscured inside of our body. And that is true in the, in, the, in the body of Christ, you know. That's why we are the body of Christ, okay. There will be some people who are more visible than others. There will be people who, you know, may look like they, they, they are achieving certain, uh, certain ends. But, you see, whatever my mouth achieves can never materialize without my intestines, without my stomach. Without my heart, without my arteries, without my, 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 my heart, you know, without my nerve system. So we always need to see the, you know, the whole picture and not just see a, a part of it. So when we do ministry, we must have a holistic understanding of what God is doing. You know, if God has put you in a place that is somewhere at the corner of the world and nobody takes notice of you, don't despair, that's okay. You know? Even if you are serving only three people, if that is the, the, the call God has given to you, that's okay. Don't worry. You don't have to compete with the guy who has got the, the thousands, okay? Because maybe you don't even know whether this is God's call for his life or her life, maybe it may be something completely different. So, you know, we, we need to be aware that you know this competitive competitive spirit can lead us astray. Okay, and we must not be led astray by a competitive spirit. We must learn to do the ministry according to what God is going to call us to do. Now, there was a very uh, interesting, a very important uh, uh, word that God spoke about the life of uh, Saul at that time. You know, then he became Paul. Let me just read that, okay? I think we all know that uh, scripture from the book of Acts. Um, of course, uh, Paul was 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 persecuting the church, and on the way, you know, he had a he had an amazing uh, encounter with the Lord, and he fell from his uh, horse, and uh, he was blind. Okay, he could not see anything. So the guy who was uh, like uh, forceful in everything he did, he had to be led by the hand into the city of Damascus and for three days he was blind and he didn't eat and drink anything now the Bible says in uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse uh, 10 in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias the Lord called to him in a vision Ananias okay now just imagine Ananias is a person that appears only once in Scripture. That, that Ananias. Okay? And as far as we can tell, you know, uh, we don't know his other ministry, whatever he did uh, in other places, but as far as he, we, we know, what the Bible describes, he served one person. One person. Okay? But if he didn't do that, I don't know what would have happened, you know. I mean, God can still uh, raise a stone, but, I mean, you can imagine that was a very, 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 very important assignment. That was the call of God. So God called Ananias, and uh, Ananias said, yes, Lord. Then the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for his praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So God had great faith in Ananias. Have you seen that? Uh, God didn't even ask Ananias, are you willing to do it? Actually, he told him, you are already announced. Okay? Whether you like it or not, you are going to go there and you do what I'm, what I'm telling you to do. So, you know, this is very important. And, and please don't underestimate the call of God even for one single person, okay? I know this doesn't really fit into the, 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 the idea of our world system where, you know, everybody expects you to be successful, to have a bigger and bigger and bigger a congregation, bigger than everybody else, faster growing than everybody else and what and what and what. Uh, but this has nothing to do with, with the biblical... Uh, with the biblical outline and the biblical calling that God has given to us. So, uh, God was, was having faith in Ananias. Of course, I'm sure uh, God knew Ananias, not only as a disciple in general, but also as somebody who would be obedient, okay? Because he had already announced to, to uh, Saul that there's a man coming by the name of Ananias, okay? So in other words, he had already nailed this down, he, you know? He could not go back to, uh, to, to, to Saul and say, oh, Ananias doesn't want to come, but I'm sending you another one called Peter, you know? <laughs> no, there was Ananias. And Ananias, you know, uh, was understanding the call. Even so, as you can see, he had his own problems. Now, let, let's read that. Okay, so God told him already, the man has seen a vision, okay, because the vision came from God, obviously, and a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So God already told him what is going to happen before Ananias was involved, before Ananias knew anything about it, okay? Lord, Ananias answered, I have, I've heard, I've heard many reports about this man the very man you're talking about, okay? And all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. So Ananias was well informed, okay? He had the latest news. He was on the social media. (laughs) He knew exactly what was happening. Okay, so uh, Saul was not an obscure um, personality he was known okay amongst the, the body of christ uh, Saul was very known uh, he is uh, a no nonsense guy he has uh, caused this trouble in jerusalem now he is coming to us here in damascus and doing the same thing okay so you can understand, you know, there are, there are certain arguments we sometimes have. When God gives you a, a, a call, you may have an argument. You may say, but God, don't you know? <laughs> but why would, why would God not know? Okay. If Ananias knew, why would God uh, miss it? Okay. Sometimes we think we have to tell God what he should know. Okay. If, if there is something that you know that God doesn't know, then it's not, then it's not necessary for, for you to even talk about it because God knows all things. Okay? So anyway, God answered. Uh, and I think it's important that we understand what God says. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! Exclamation mark. Go! Okay? Here there's no argument. You go. This is, my, this is my call to you. That is the very most important call in all of your life. That is the one call that will even be written in the word of God for every generation to read. Okay? There is no other more important uh, assignment that you will ever have in your whole lifetime than this one. Okay? Yes, the, the, the argument is valid, and God knew the argument very well, but he said, go. Go. Then he gives him an explanation. Okay? God doesn't need to give an explanation to anyone, you know. If he says go, then go. Okay? But thank God, very often God gives us an explanation. And he gives an explanation to Ananias here. And he says to Ananias, this man is my chosen instrument. Now, before God God could use... uh, Saul as his chosen instrument who would become Paul eventually, he had another chosen instrument and that was Ananias, okay, and Ananias had to execute the call of God, okay, so even Ananias was a chosen instrument in order to minister and serve the man who was a chosen instrument to God. Ananias was somebody who could be able to hear God's word, could listen towards God and respond towards God's word. Uh, Saul was not responding to God's word up to that moment in time. He was only responding to worldly standards, religious standards, you know. This man had no clue. He needed to be ministered to. You get my point? While Ananias was on a completely different level, on a very, very much higher level, because he had a relationship with God, and God trusted Ananias. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have uh, given a vision to Paul or to Saul at that time that uh, Ananias is coming and he's going to lay hands on you, pray for you, and you will receive your sight. So, understand, Ananias was far ahead of, of Saul. Saul was a baby, okay? In fact, maybe he was not even a baby as yet. Maybe he was just in the birth process, okay? He was, he was uh, just having an encounter with God and he was still not sure what, what it would be uh, all about, Okay? So God says, this is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings and to the people of Israel. And then there is a one, one verse which, which really sh- you should take note of, okay? verse 16. This is a very important uh, key for the life and the purpose of God in the life of uh, not only Paul, but in the life of the ecclesia in the life of ministry, in your ministry, my ministry. Okay, so God says, go, number one. Number two, he explains, this is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. And then he tells him in which jurisdictions, okay, to the Gentiles, to their kings, and even to the people of Israel. And then he gives him an explanation, okay? He, he says, I will show him, okay, now, Saul doesn't know what God is telling uh, uh, Ananias. But God tells Ananias, I will show him, that is the man that you are going to pray for. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Okay? Now here comes a man, you know, uh, who God uh, meets on the road. His name is changed from Saul to Paul, from being a curse, the man becomes a blessing. But it doesn't just happen, you know, like in the, in the old uh, you know, Roman scriptures, uh, there, there, there are these kings who are coming. He came, saw, and uh, had victory. That is a, a Latin thing. You know, he came, he saw, and he had victory, you know. And that is the standard of the world, okay? That is the standard of the world. The standard of God is I will show him how much he must suffer for my name, okay? So the, the, the work that I'm going to give him to do is not a work that goes without suffering, okay? It's not a work that is uh, uh, just making you a hero uh, in the process and then you know, you go from glory to glory and uh, things like that so when we talk about building the church ok not the church that we you know, see today but the ecclesia of God it is, a, it is a body that is being built through sacrifice ok Jesus says I will build my ecclesia how does he How did he start to build it? He started to build it by going to the cross, shedding his blood, okay? Cutting the curtain from top to bottom, you know? Breaking the barrier of sin between mankind and God, okay? And that is not possible without sacrifice. In the Old Testament, it was a very, very clear concept that if you want to meet God, you have to go through... The altar in the outer court. and in the, on the altar on the outer court, there was a sacrifice required. There was blood to be shed. OK? It, cannot, it could not work. There was no way for you to enter any further if you could not uh, pass through that particular altar. okay? After the altar. There comes what we call the brazen lever or the lava you know they 're that big, what they call also the the the, the motor sea you know that means it was a, a huge uh, basin with water inside, okay made from copper. actually, when you look inside, you can see your face it was it was a mirror at the same time, like it was water and that's what, that is like a picture of the word of God so uh, once you are Passing through the altar where blood is being shed, okay? Then you now have to come to the Word of God where cleansing has to take place, where purification has to take place. Okay? We talked about these things yesterday. Okay? This is still in the outer court. That means you haven't even entered into the holy place. Still in the outer court. Okay? and only when this has taken place, you know, the, 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 the sacrifice, the shedding of the blood. Now, in the tabernacle and later in the temple, this, of course, had to be a continuous exercise, you know, because it was a reminder, okay? There is no no meeting God without, uh, uh, without, without the forgiveness of sin through the blood, okay? But the blood of goats and animals could not... Permanently cleansed, it, it was just a symbol, it was just a sign. But it was the blood of the righteous Lamb of God who would once and for all cleanse us from all sin and righteousness. And the principle is still the same, you know. Jesus was, was in, on the outer court, okay. He was on the mountain where, where he was crucified. But it was the outer court which had a direct uh, bearing on the temple, Okay when Jesus was crucified when Jesus died that curtain in the temple was cut not from bottom to top but from top to bottom that means it was an act of God okay God was opening the road opening the way for us you know all of us who ever come follow Christ would be able to enter into the most holy place okay so we are still going to the to the Word of God, which is a mirror at the same time as a cleansing agent that God gives to us. You know, that's why the Bible says in the book of uh, Ephesians that God is going to cleanse us by the washing with the Word. Okay? He removes every spot and wrinkle in our life by the washing of the Word. You know, this is the comparison what is happening between uh, uh, in, a, in a marriage, a man, a husband and wife, and, and God says this is exactly what God is doing, you know, because he's using that, that very picture of a husband and wife relationship, you know, Christ, the, 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 the bridegroom, and we, the ecclesia being the church, okay? So the washing of the word is still absolutely necessary. Only then we can enter one step further into the holy place. Okay, but let me leave it at that at, mo- at the moment because now I want to go uh, a little further. You know, what, what you have heard is that God says, okay, and you know, when God just says even three, four, five words, you know, and these were just very few words. I mean, this, this revelation or this uh, vision about the life of, of, of Paul, he tells, he tells uh, Ananias, you know, I will show him. How much he must suffer for my name. Okay? That does not fit into the vocabulary of a lot of uh, uh, people in, in, in the modern church. They don't want to suffer. In fact, they reject suffering. Not my portion. Hmm? Not my portion. <laughs> <laughs> not my portion, yes. They're, they're, they're rejecting that, you know? But who are you to reject what God has assigned to you? Okay? If Jesus didn't suffer and and, and die, there wouldn't be any salvation. And if God finds it necessary for you or for me to go through a certain passage of suffering, then so be it. Okay? You may not understand, but he does. Okay? Uh, Ananias didn't understand. But God said, go. Okay? Okay? Whether you understand or not, that's not the issue. But you do my job. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the suffering and the, the, the hardships that we are going through is something that God doesn't show us ahead of time. OK? This was just a, a, a simple sentence which, which God gave to Ananias. You know, Ananias had this problem. He says, this man is dangerous. Okay. And uh, God said, I know he's dangerous, but I will show him what he has to, what he has to go through. Okay. He has to learn to become a different person, so to say. And, you know, that ties up with uh, what we find in the, of, uh, in the book of Psalms 119. It's very interesting. You know, uh, when, when I came to know the Lord, of course, you know, I was very excited. It was a wonderful experience. It was something that I never want to miss in my life, you know. But then I had no clue where that would lead me to, okay. If God would have said, okay, let me sit you down for the next one or two hours and I will show you everything that you are going through, I would have not gone anywhere. I would have given up right then and there, you know. If God would have shown me all the things that, uh, that I've experienced in those years since I'm walking with the Lord, you know, I, I don't think I would have... Uh, I would have, uh, uh, you know, had the courage to even go the next step. But God says, okay, let me, let me guide you. And the principle that we find here in, in the Psalm 119, is a scripture that we all know very well. The Bible says, my word is a lamp for my feet. Okay, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That means God will give you light, but he doesn't give you a headlight. He doesn't give you a torch light. He doesn't give you a light that is piercing the future up to the next uh, millennium. No. He is giving you a light on your feet, a lamp on your feet. Okay? So that you see the next step that you have to take. So we may never know what God takes us to down the roads, okay, as long as we know what God says today it 's okay, just like when God came to Ananias and says, "Go, go and uh, find this man and He gave him the address, he gave him the the house number you know he says "Go and, and, and find him you will, will uh, see this man and uh, of course, immediately uh, the intelligence of uh, of uh, the church was 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 working uh, and uh, Ananias knew exactly who who is this one, okay? But then God said, go. It's not negotiable, okay? You go. That was the light on the feet of Ananias. You understand? He didn't know what was going to come. God gives him a hint afterwards, but he didn't know what was going to come. But he says, "You, you don't need to know everything, but what I'm telling you, this is what you need to do. And I think this is a principle that we all must remind, be reminded about t- time and again, you know, that we are doing what God has assigned us, what God has called us to do. Okay. You, you remember there was that uh, argument um, uh, where where Jesus was speaking to Peter, and then Peter said, "But but but what about him? You know, John, what about him?" And, and uh, you know, in my own words, Jesus said, that's none of your business. Mind your own business. Okay? You know, we always want to know, what, 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 are, what is my friend supposed to do, you know? He says, no, mind your own business. Your, your way is different from the way of your friend. Okay? The, the road of Peter was different from the road of, of, of John or the road of Paul. And so it will be with all of us. You know Even so we may be in one family, but still more, God has assignments which are very unique to each and every one of us. And as I said, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you need to look for that grant, grant assignment which makes you a hero in the, in the national newspapers and on television, and everybody is talking about you. It's not important, you know? If God wants to do that, he can do that. If not, so be it. OK? I don't think any newspaper was reporting that Ananias was going to visit uh, 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 Saul, okay, and prayed for him. It was not on the news, but it's in scripture, okay, and it's in scripture because one man was given an assignment and he obeyed. And when he obeyed, when he was willing to obey, God even gave him more insight, and he told him, this is what I'm going to do. This man is an instrument that I've chosen, and I'll show him what he has to suffer. And that is it. After that, you know, uh, Ananias is doing what God told him to do, and then he goes into, you know, into a place where we have no sights. Okay? Not that he disappeared, no, he was still there, but, but we, we, we don't read anything about him anymore. Does it mean he was not important? He was important. He was very important. He was a key man, okay? And I'm sure he did other things, you know, just like all the disciples uh, who, you know, were sent out as, an, as apostles of God. They did a lot of things, and many of these things we don't know. We don't know what exactly they did. You know, some literature is existing that, you know, Thomas went to India, and others went to other places, you know. But it's not in Scripture. You understand? God has a reason for for him to put certain things in scripture so that everybody can read. Okay like he told this woman what you have done it will be read throughout history you know. It will never be forgotten. Okay when 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 uh, this lady Mary was washing the feet of the, the Lord okay will never be forgotten. So we must understand uh, what counts is God's assignment to us. You see when I was going to Bible college, we, we, got, uh, we, we had some teachers who gave us, uh, you know, church growth, church branding, things like that. And uh, basically what they told us, okay, look at this church, look at this church, look at this church. These were all churches which were implementing, you know, business principles in the church. And they became very big. From hindsight, you know, uh, 30, 40 years later, many of these churches are not existing anymore. But at that time, they were lifted up as the ideals, okay? Build your church like this. Build your church like this. Use this principle. Use these principles. Most of these things that we were taught had nothing to do with, with, with scripture. Nothing whatsoever. Okay? We were not told, listen to the assignment that God has given to you. Okay, but, you know, try to, to expand your church. You know, try to uh, be the biggest in your city. And that is not biblical, okay? That is not biblical. You know, if God wants to, to, to bring the masses, he did it in Jerusalem, he can do so, you know? But if you don't see the masses in your, in your ministry, don't be discouraged. You know, maybe there is one person, and God sent you to you know, that one person, and that one person is going to change the world at, at another time, not now. Okay? Because, you know, even when when uh, Ananias had prayed with uh, with uh, Saul, he was still Saul. But he went, he disappeared. You know, he completely disappeared. For the next 10, 20 years, he he, he almost, uh, nobody knew where, where he was. He went into the desert of, of Arabia... He was a fugitive. You know, he was in the city and he had to be let down on, 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 a, on a basket outside because he was persecuted. I mean, he was he was really not very uh, much what you would call uh, a successful preacher, okay? But all this is, is secondary. You know, this is all secondary. Okay, let me read now from the book of second corinthians and i think we will spend a bit of time in the book of second corinthians second corinthians is a very very interesting uh, letter uh, you know first of corinthians i think we have seen a lot of wonderful teachings are being outlined there but then you know between first corinthians and what we call second corinthians a lot of things happened a lot of things that were not good okay and there are hints, you know, like uh, Paul is talking about, uh, you know, some, some very uh, disturbing, sinful things that happened. And, and there was another letter which Paul had written, and that made everybody shiver. You know, that made everybody cry. Okay, and this now is like a consoling letter, okay, that he's writing again. And also where he's explaining a lot of things about his own ministry, about his own life. And that's why 2 Corinthians, which is actually maybe Third Corinthians, you know, except 2 Corinthians, we don't know. <laughs> but this is an extremely important uh, letter as far as ministry is concerned. Here now we see what God meant when he says, I will show him how much he has to suffer. Okay? Because this is now seen in 2 Corinthians all over. And I, I, I encourage you, read uh, 2 Corinthians from beginning to end, you know, it's very good, but we are, we are going to, of course, uh, focus on, on a few uh, particular scriptures which are very important uh, for, for our subject today. So I'll read from Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Paul is writing to the Corinthians... You know, the Corinthian church, they had a lot of uh, competition. Everybody wanted to shine most. You know, they were even uh, uh, standing on the pulpit speaking in tongues for I don't know how long. And then they were competing like that, you know, who can speak in tongues better and things like that, you know. They were, there was a lot of confusion amongst the Corinthians. But then Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia, okay? He, he brings a balance to uh, the, 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 the the congregation in, in Corinth, okay? These Corinthians were at some kind, of very, very you know charismatic or very Pentecostal uh, ideas, you know. Uh, the same mistakes that have been made over and over again in the history, they all made them. Okay? And then Paul comes and says, we do not want you to be uninformed. It was like a cold shower. Okay? About the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So I think that should be an encouragement for all of us who have gone through pressure. Uh, is there anybody who has never gone through pressure in the ministry? <laughs> huh? None. None. Okay. And, and I'm not talking about other pressures, you know, family pressures and things like that, you know. But I'm talking about ministry pressures. Okay. So, good news for you. You're not alone. Okay. Paul says. I don't want you to be uninformed, okay? I don't want you to be ignorant about the the hardships we have suffered in the province of Asia. So, in other words, if you suffer those hardships, you're not alone, okay? We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Now, that's a very serious word, okay? You know, I, I remember some years ago we did a subject I think uh, Pastor Victor will remember we did a subject on run to win about risk-taking. risk taking risk risk taking okay and uh, when that uh, program was aired, I got a very, very vicious letter from one of the ministers at that time uh, accusing me from misleading misleading people, okay, uh, about risk taking, you know, or uh, going through risks. And uh, he was basically painting that nice picture, you know, when you are in the ministry, everything is sweet and good and nice and, you know, the, the, the kind of picture that many of these charismatic uh, guys are painting today. Uh, of course, you know, I wrote back to him and I, I gave him the scriptures. Uh, that we that we had been talking about, probably didn't listen properly, uh, but, but we talked about, and, uh, you know, I never heard of him again. I hope he understood it. <laughs> but uh, at least he didn't give me a heartache or problems. But, you see, uh, people always try to paint things rosy. The ministry is not rosy. The ministry is tough. Okay, and uh, you know you, you have heard that saying you know uh, when the when the, the things are tough the tough get going you know uh, so we, we need to be tough in the ministry you need to be you need to learn to be tough you need to uh, grow a thick skin okay if you are too sensitive you are not fit for the for the kingdom of God okay. You hear some of these politicians, they have got a very thin skin, you know like even like even uh, Trump he says, "No, these people they don't like me, they don't like me, you know, so what you know if you are if you're a leader you you can't you can't worry about whether somebody is liking you or not or or uh, the same man who is making the war, mr Putin, you know he's saying, no, these people are very very violent against us, you know now. What does he mean He is the one who is bombing everybody else, and then he is, he is he's complaining because others are, are taking action you know so people have got a very very sensitive skin for them they can do anything, but if if you turn around and say anything to them, then they are up in arms you know now in ministry you can 't afford that, please you know one one advice which i I can give you please grow a thick skin you know elephant' skin <laughs> okay don't be oversensitive even if inside you are crying but don't 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 cry outside you know you know we are human beings, yes, but uh, we must not be put off course just because somebody says something which which we don't like okay, even if they are attacking your your best uh, you know your best uh interest and and and, and, and you know your 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 ministry uh, uh, that you do in, in in with the love of God, if they are attacking you, so be it. Leave it. You know you don't have to defend yourself. Just leave it. It's not your. It's not your issue. Let God defend you. So Paul is giving us an insight in his life. Now this was the great apostle Paul. Okay. Of course, as you can see later, you know, even during his lifetime. Uh, many of uh, the people belittled Paul, you know. Paul was a short man, actually. And uh, they, they thought that he cannot compare with the super apostles. But Paul, Paul was uh, giving us an insight, you know, that he was aware, fully aware of his call in God, and that is what he was doing, regardless of the cost that was associated with it. Okay, so we are under great pressure, great pressure, not just a bit of pressure, but great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So in, in other words, if, if, if something becomes too much for you to endure, what are you going to do? And not only that, but even to despair at life itself. I mean, this is serious, where you are saying, hey, I, I can't anymore, and you know, I think uh, if I read ministry correctly, every true minister of the of the gospel will come to such kind of a place in one one time or the other time in life. Everyone, okay, where you are coming to a place where you say I think I I can't go on. I've heard this argument many times. People coming to tell me I, I can't go on, and and I can bear with that because I have been there. Okay, I understand that. Paul understands that because he has been there, okay? This is what he is going through. So ministry is not, uh, you know, uh, a walk in the park with some ice cream that you enjoy, you know? Ministry is not, uh, you know, uh, displaying your luxury that, that, you, that you can afford to the, the world. That is nonsense, that is not ministry, okay? Ministry is heart. Okay? So, what does that mean? You know, if we are going through hardship and pressure beyond our own ability to bear, that means we have to learn to rely on the Lord. Okay? We cannot rely on our own ability, on our own strength. We need to learn to rely on the Lord. And I think this is one of the most important lessons that everyone in the ministry must know. I cannot do the work of God in my own flesh, in my own strength, in my own ability. I need to do it in the supernatural power of God. Even when I despair, even if I can go, not go on, there is a power which will carry me through that will go beyond what I can be able to do. Okay? And that is, you know, the, this is the the testimony that, that we can have, and uh, I can tell you I have a number of those testimonies where God has carried us through, through something we thought we will not make it, will not come out of this uh, unharmed, but we did. Actually, we came out stronger, and you know, every, every obstacle that the devil will put in your way, God will make it a stepping stone to, to lift you up. Okay, even if you say, I can't go on, I can't endure, I, you know, I despair of life. God has a life that is beyond the natural life, okay? And I think this is what we must, must really hold on to. You know, it's very important for all of us to, to understand. Let's not have false expectations. You know, false expectations, they will... Lead us astray. We need to be clear what God is asking of us. And God says, I will show you how much you have to suffer. Okay, if you have to suffer, you know, this is my problem sometimes with some of you. You know, you go through suffering, but you you throw it to me. And say, Pastor, sort out my problem. You know? No, you have to go, you have to learn yourself to go through. I'm not, I'm not your you you god i'm i'm your father you know i just have to show you how to do it okay but don't throw your problems to me because you are overloading me you know already i've got enough problems on my own now you you're throwing your problems to me too okay this is not how, how we are doing things you know a good father must tell his his children uh so that they can be able to to cope with the issues that come isn't it you know there was one, one brother, he, he, he used to come, now thank God he has changed, but he used to come and, um, and he says, uh, I've got this problem, I've got this problem, I've got this problem. And I said, you know, you are old enough, my friend, you, you need to, to deal with your issues. He says, but, but you are my father. Huh? <laughs> I'm your father, but because I'm your father, I'm teaching you how to solve the problem. Okay? Don't don't ask me to solve your problem. You get my point? That's a misunderstanding of uh, what the father is and what the, the role of the father is. A father is telling you the problems are there, you deal with them. Okay? Grow a thick skin. Okay? And don't be oversensitive. You know? And if, if, you're, you, if you despair of life, then let the life of God flow through you. Okay? That's what we have to learn, all of us, whether we like it or not. Okay. As I said earlier, Ananias was ahead of 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 Saul at the time when he went to pray for him, because um, you know at at best uh, uh, Paul or Saul was a baby in Christ. But then Ananias didn't travel with uh, with uh, with Saul or later Paul to tell him, okay, now you must do this, now you must do this, now you must do this. No, Paul had to go through; he had to discover the things that he suffered and find the solutions to it you know find how to survive even in the mo- mo- in the worst onslaught that was there okay so please give me a give me a break i've got my own problems <laughs> okay i'm not saying we are not willing to help we are we are always willing to help yes, i think you know that but uh you know i mean you can't you can't have children who are who have grown up? They have got now. You are even a grandfather, and then they are still bringing you, 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 their problems to you. <laughs> you know? No, that means you, your children have not have not learned the lessons that you have taught them, or you didn't teach them the lessons. Okay. So, there is pressure. Okay. Write it somewhere in your in your in your in your uh, study. You know, pressure is always there. Okay. Beyond your ability to endure. So if you cannot endure it, how do, you, how do you go through? The secret is you need to live in the supernatural, not in the natural. Okay? If you just live in the natural, in your own strength, in your own ability, you will not make it. Okay? But thank God, God has called us to trust in him to live in the supernatural realm of God. Because then even when we cannot go on, humanly speaking, in our, in our human strength and ability, God will still be able to take us through such situations. Okay, even when we think I can't, I can't live anymore, you know, this is beyond me. A despair of life. And uh, if you have never experienced it, praise God for it. But I, I know what it is, you know. I've been there. And, you uh, know, that, that means you just don't see hope. But even if you don't see hope, as believers, we must always keep our eyes upon Him, the author and the finisher of our faith. So that means it's not legitimate for you to say, I can't go on. Because then you have no faith. And without faith, you can't please God. Okay? So we need to learn to live by faith and not by sight. The problem is that we are living by sight too much. Okay? Because we live by sight, we count our coins and we're saying, I can't make it. You, coin, you count your coins and say, I can't pay my tithes, because uh, my money is not enough. That's why you will never be blessed, because you are never living by faith. You are never, you're never taking that step to say, I will do that. You know, even so, it's hard, but I will, I will pay my tithes. I will give my, my God my first food offering. You know, If you never learn that, you're not living by, by faith. You are living by sight. And I'm telling you, some of you have not learned that lesson. OK, it's a fact. Am I lying? We've been talking about that, and I'm, I'm not really making this a subject here, but I'm just telling you, because this is a reminder, okay? I'm speaking to sons, okay? And as sons have to expect that you learn the lesson, okay? If you have not learned the lesson, go home to the drawing board and do it, you know? Not promise every time you are reminded, oh, now I will do it, now I will do it, and then you do it once and forget. That's, that's not learning, you know? So these are important things. So we need to learn to live by faith and not by sight. By faith you can do things which are naturally impossible, okay? Which cannot be accomplished in the natural, but we can, can be accomplished in the life that we live in God's. Then Paul says, indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. You know, I think this is what Jesus went through. He was sentenced to death. And uh, when you are sentenced to this, you know my, my life is gone, okay? When we are followers of Jesus, we may come to that place. And I'm not saying everybody will come to that place. It's only for for some people that God has called for that purpose, you know. If if you have never felt that, if you have never been under a sentence of that, you should give God thanks, you know. But it may come. Okay. Where you just come to see the end, you know, and actually where certain things have to die in your life okay your self confidence your false expectations all the things that you found uh, so lovely and so nice you know all the ideas that you had about uh, this successful ministry that you have seen on social media uh, from other people you know these are coming under the sentence of death these things have to die okay because god will not prop up something that cannot live in the, in the spiritual realm, okay? That thing has to die, okay? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so we need to really learn that lesson. And, and you know, uh, it is important for all of us to be willing to learn that lesson. You know, if, if 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 you learn it the easy way, praise be God. Praise be to God for you. Okay, uh, I think uh, Paul says I had to learn it the hard way, and some of us we have to learn it the hard way. Okay, but then he doesn't say he doesn't end there. Okay, we felt the sentence of that, but of this. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. Okay, not rely on the flesh, not rely on our ability, not rely on the money of this world, not rely on how many members you have got in your, in your congregation, not rely on how much offering you are collecting, not rely on how much ties you are given. Don't rely on yourself, okay, and on the things that uh, we always, uh, you know, treasure dearly, the things of this world. Okay, so there was a purpose behind it. Okay, so Paul says, but this happened. Okay, that we might not rely on ourselves but on God. So, in other words, God allowed it. Okay, God assigned it. So don't don't complain to God. Why why am I going through these things? You know, I mean, there was a time in my life I remember uh, as a as a as a young Christian and you know somehow I felt you know I felt God is not fair you know you take me through the, I've just had come out of a problem and now I'm in another one okay come out of this problem go in another one I says God why always me you know and and the Lord taught me a lesson a very important lesson which I have not forgotten in my whole life he says you know what I do with you but you don't know what I do with others okay so you don't worry what I what I'm doing to others don't don't compare yourself with anybody if i give you this assignment this is an assignment that you have to learn okay don't compare yourself and then i realized that i was not the only one suffering you know <laughs> others others also have their their the burden to carry you know they have also got their issues to go through and everyone you know if you are in the in the, in the uh, ministry of the Lord, if you are walking the ways of the Lord, everyone has to go transformation, undergo transformation. You know, everybody has to be changed. I may not know what somebody else is going through. You know, somebody may show you a nice, very nice uh, image of what their, their life is all about, of what their ministry is all about. But you may be cheated because you can't look behind. You don't know what is really going on inside, so don't worry, you know, whether, whether somebody is making a very good splash to say, hey, everything is, is rosy and powerful here, forget about it. It's not your problem, you know. You live with your God. You learn from your God, okay? Let him show you the way, okay? Let him be the lamp on your path and the light on your way. As long as you know what the next step is supposed to be, that's enough, okay? Now you see, I, I grew up at a time when everybody came up with grand visions, okay, and the, the visions that people came up to draw up uh, had actually nothing to do with uh, vision from God, okay. They were competing with you know, uh, who is going to build the biggest church in town? How many how many people is uh, can you can you lead to to Christ? You know, sounds all good, you know but in reality these are just uh, self constructed visions you know we were all actually taught in, in bible college how to construct a mission statement and in, in the vision statement and nothing was was in there which says you need to listen from god <laughs> okay but you must you must uh, differentiate yourself from others okay what is your what is your desire what do you think you can do okay But that's not vision, that's ambition, okay? And let me tell you, there's a huge difference difference between vision and ambition, okay? Ambition can be selfish ambition most of the time, okay? So you have an ambition because you want to make a name. But don't don't worry, you already have a name. If you didn't have a name, how, how would God have called you? Okay, so you have a name, and uh, that should be sufficient for you. That's why Paul had to learn that his grace is sufficient for me. Okay, he has known my name. In, in 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 the case of Saul, he even changed his name into Paul. Okay, he knew his name. Okay, and he knows your name. But you know, we think we need to make a name. And when we talk about making a name, we want to like... Uh, Show others we are, we are holier than thou. We are better than, than, than you are, okay? In the kingdom of God, there is no room for such nonsense. Are you with me? No room for such nonsense. Know your assignment. Know your call. Once you know your call, you know your vision. Because the call that God gives you is your vision. Okay? And then pursue that. Then you are a vision carrier. Not because you have drawn up a nice sounding statement, but because God said, this is what I'm going to do in your life. I've called you for that. So, Paul says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. You know, this is a very crucial lesson that we have to learn. Not to rely on ourselves. But on God, who raises the dead. Okay? And that's a very, very important qualification. Who raises the dead? That means, you know, there's no impossible. Okay? All things are possible for those who believe. Jesus was sentenced, he had the sentence of death upon him, and he was nailed to the cross and he died. But he raised from the dead. Okay? And uh, if you have to go through the valley of the shadow of death and some things have to die, don't forget, you are serving the God who rose from the dead. Okay? Death for us is not the end. It's a beginning. It's a new beginning. That's why Jesus said, you know, the kernel of wheat must fall into the ground and die okay so this is a requirement even in your ministry this is a requirement and if it doesn't if it does not die it will just remain alone it will not do anything but if it dies it will be able to multiply it will be able to bear much fruit and i think we can see that very clearly in the life of christ you know, he was the kernel of wheat, that seed that fell into the ground, and he produced and produced and still produces and produces all over the world. Okay, he's building his church. That was the seed. Jesus is the seed. It cannot be done by any human means. That's why Jesus said very clearly, it is, I will build my church. Okay. Anything that is not built from the seat of death is not the church of Christ. And I tell you, if you put that measure on it, you will see that a lot of things that call itself church is not church. Or maybe it is called church, but it's not ecclesia. Okay? It may be called church, the world may know it as church, but it's not ecclesia. Okay? So Jesus says, unless the kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, okay? And this is what Paul is saying here, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So you can die, but you will raise up again, okay? And God will do something supernatural that you could not even have thought of, that you could not have, uh, you know been able to accomplish in any way at all, not even have a a clue about it. But God is going to do it. And uh, Paul says he has delivered us from such a deadly peril. Praise God, you know. God is our deliverer, not because uh, you have to go every week for deliverance ministry, but because he has delivered us truly and righteously, you know. He has delivered us from the deadly peril and he will deliver us no matter what we go through. You know, this is the powerful message, the good news of the Lord. Okay, so God is delivering us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So, in other words, deliverance in this, in this context is not what, what uh, some deliverance ministries are trying to make you believe. Okay? I, I think you understand what I'm saying. Okay, some people are saying, no, we have to pray with you every week, you know, to, so that you are delivered, 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 delivered. What nonsense is that? No. Once you are born again, you know, you are delivered from the, from the prison of... Satan. Okay, that's it. You need to be delivered once from the prison of Satan, but you need to be delivered from the pressures of life many times. You need to be delivered from uh, the onslaught of the devil, from the accusations of darkness, from all of these things that we are going through. There, we have to be delivered many times, and that you cannot do with a simple prayer. And says, "I've delivered you. Give me, give me your best uh, ties." You know. That is uh, abusing uh, innocent people, OK? That is not right. So the deliverance does not come by uh, a man of God, by a pastor. But it comes from God, OK? It comes from God. And you know, this is a one-to-one relationship. This is why, you know, when we were going through the, the uh, Beatitudes in uh, Matthew 5, you can see this is a one-to-one relationship. Everyone, blessed is he. Blessed, 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 blessed. But there is always a condition. It's a personal relationship with, with Christ. And here again, it is personal. He has delivered us, okay? He, Paul talks about him and the people who were with him in the in the ministry team. He has delivered us from such deadly peril. You know, the pressure that came upon them and, you know, uh, later on, we'll see how, how much they were suffering, being persecuted, thrown in prison, you know, thrown into uh, all kind of terrible situations. And God delivered them. Okay? And, and he will continue to deliver us. God is not running out of power. You see, even so, we are sometimes going to despair. Sometimes we say, I've come to the end. But God is not. Okay? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we need to keep our eyes upon him because he will be able to finish what he started. You know, sometimes we start something which we are not able to finish. I hope that wouldn't be true, but it's true. Okay? Let me tell you, I've started a lot of things that I could not finish. Some of them are still hanging and I don't know, will they ever finish? I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But God is not like that. When God starts something, he will finish. Okay? And so we must understand that God is always ready, always on standby. He will deliver us. Okay? He will deliver us. Deliverance does not mean you have to dig into somebody's past and find whether some great-great-grandfather was a witch. You know? That is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And even if somebody's grandfather was a witch, that doesn't make any difference whatsoever. If you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you are redeemed. Okay? That is what we must understand. And so Paul says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. On him we have put our hope. So this is what we must learn through all the sufferings and difficulties that we are going through. That's the one lesson God wants to teach us. And that he wants to teach you as, as, as sons, okay? You can't say, oh, pastor, please, you know I'm in trouble again, come and deliver me. No, I can't. You need to, you need to trust God. You, you, between you and God, you need to experience the deliverance of God, okay? Don't throw your problems to others because you think it's easier. No, it's not fair, okay? Because if you do that, even your children will throw all their problems to you in future, you know? What you sow is what you reap. Okay, so on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, and this is this is the lesson we must all learn. We must learn to set our hope in him, and sometimes it's not instant answers. Okay, that's what we usually want. You know, we want to press the button. You know, we, we, we reduce God to a, to a to a vending machine. You know, press the button, boom, it comes out. No, God is not a vending machine. Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you have to be patient. Sometimes you have to learn some five, six, seven, eight lessons before you can get the results. And only then will you be able to see the result of what God will do. Okay? So, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Nothing will stop him from delivering us even if it looks like he's taking too long. Okay, and you know that is that is our problem that we have a certain uh, a certain judgment that we're saying okay it should only take so much time and then it must happen. You know this is what happened when Jesus was uh, preaching, uh, and then he got the message that Lazarus, his friend, has 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 died. Okay, or was was very sick, and uh, Jesus was not panicking. Okay? You know, when you hear a message that somebody has, has, is, is on his deathbed, you know, I mean, I'm, that is not a criticism, but it's a fact. You know, how many of you have uh, just dropped everything and you just jump in the next bus and you're off? Okay? <laughs> Am I right? Okay? No, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus continued... Fulfilling the calling that God the Father had given to him at that particular time, you know, Lazarus or no Lazarus, he was he was finishing his job in that particular village where he was. Okay, he continued preaching, and uh, maybe his 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 uh, disciples were wondering why is he not concerned. And then of course Jesus said he's sleeping. I said oh yeah, if he's sleeping, then he's going to wake up. Okay. Then Jesus now it's not that sleep that you're thinking of he's he's dead and eventually Jesus went okay and he came late did he come late (laughs) he came late but he didn't come too late okay he came late as far as uh, Mary and Martha were concerned if you were here that would not have happened. He would not have died. That one, we are sure. You, if you were here, you would not have died. So he, according to them, he was late. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that you will see the glory of God, okay, if you believe? And that they had to learn, you know. And all of us, we have to learn that lesson, you know. So don't, don't, put, don't, don't allow anybody to put you in a panic mode, you know, even, even funerals should never put you on a panic mode. You know, sometimes, you know, ask mom, sometimes we get we get calls in the middle of the night. Oh, I need money. now? you know, somebody is about to die or has died or whatever. you know, come on please. Keep your head. Keep your cool. Keep your face. Okay? I know this is hard, I you know. This is hard. <laughs> You know, for us, some of us, we have to die to funerals. <laughs> you know, funerals are such holy things for us. You know? And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Yeah, that sounds tough, huh? But, but that's true. You know, that's true. I think, I think we make sometimes too much of funerals. You know, it's, we, we all know that we have been given life, and after that we die. And after that, judgment. Okay, So, that's a reality. It is a it's a natural process, which is hard, we, are, we understand. It's not just that we are saying it, it is something that we should be doing heartless. No, I mean, it, it affects us, you know, we, we, may, we may go through a lot of pain and, 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 and mourning and whatever, you know, it's normal, it's natural. But we must not get into panic mode, okay? We must keep our heads, we must keep our face. So we need to have our hope on him because he is going to deliver us from whatever comes our way. And and Paul says, On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by our by your prayers. Okay. So in other words, when when you are going through tough times, you know, uh tell others so that they can help you pray. Okay? Sometimes it's, it's hard for us to bear a certain, a certain uh, burden, as I said earlier on, you know. And, and Paul says, as you help us by your prayers. Okay? So he actually appealed to the Corinthians, uh, to the people of Corinth, you know. When we are going through this, as we put our, our hope in God... You know, pray for us, okay, because it will strengthen us. It will, it will do something that naturally you cannot see, but it will happen. Then many will give thanks on your behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayer of many. So, we need to learn reliance on God, not ourselves, okay? Okay? And this is the message that we see from that very short passage, and we will see more of that a little later when we go further. But, you know, this is the lesson that all the men of God in Scripture and outside Scripture had to learn. Okay, look at, look at Moses, for instance. Moses was a young man who came to realize that he was not an Egyptian. Okay who came to realize that his people were suffering. And he learned to associate, not openly, not with talk, but he associated, associated himself in his heart with the people who were suffering, with the, the Hebrew people. OK? One day, he felt, hey, I need to do something. And as much as it is true that sometimes we have to do something, we must be careful not to do the wrong thing, okay? Again, here, the question comes, what is the call of God for that particular time in your life, okay? Now, Moses learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians, okay? He was uh, having a very, very uh, privileged position, okay? Okay? But in all of the wisdom of Egypt, he did not learn, he did not understand how to deal with the issues that he was uh, facing in his heart, okay? That he was uh, seeing, you know, when he was looking out to uh, his brethren who were suffering and continuing to cry to God, you know, how, how could he help them, Okay. Now I believe that God was dealing with him and I believe that God prepared him to do something for for God, but then he was premature, okay? Like I said before, you know, he he started the Moses Deliverance Ministry, okay? And the Moses Deliverance Ministry was only uh, in effect for a day and then it died, okay? That's what such ministries can do or not do, okay? They, they, they rise up on, on overnight like, the, like that uh, tree of, of, of Jonah, you know, gives you a shade for one day and then they are gone. Okay, so Moses had an idea, okay? Probably not even well planned, you know, because he saw how an Egyptian was mistreating one of his uh, Hebrew brethren and then he said, okay, let me, let, let me deal with this guy. So he killed him. But, however, it came out, it came out, okay? And uh, very soon, he was not delivering anybody anymore. He had just to deliver himself from the wrath of Pharaoh and run away, okay? And he did run away, okay? When finally, after 40 years later, God came to him and says, Moses, your time has come. Moses said, hmm, not me. I've done it before. (laughs) And it didn't work out. And God had to tell him that what he did was in his own strength. What now he was supposed to do was in the power of God. Okay. Now he was even telling God that he couldn't speak. But the Bible tells us that he was taught in all of the eloquence of Egypt. Okay. So now he, he looked at himself as somebody who can't just accomplish anything because he failed, okay? And you know, failure can be a good lesson, but you must not get stuck in failure, okay? Even if you have failed once, you know, let God show you how to succeed. Don't, don't try to succeed in your own strength, but succeed in the power of God, okay? So Moses had to learn that, Uh, unfortunately Moses limited God to some extent, you know, because he said, I can't talk. So God said, okay, I'll give you Aaron so that he talks for you because he has got a big mouth and he had, you know. But this very Aaron became a snare to him because the very Aaron was leading the people to build the golden calf, okay? So that was not supposed to happen. So sometimes we limit God and that brings more problems. So please don't limit God. Okay, don't tell God what he's supposed to do. Because he knows better. You know, you should be afraid that God will answer some of the prayers that you are forcing him with. Okay, because some of the prayers are not prayers that you want to be answered. That's why you should always say, let your will be done. Not mine, but your will. Okay, Moses said, I can't speak. And so, okay, God said, fine. Okay, if you can't speak, then I'll give you Aaron. You know, he's on the way. He has a big mouse, and that big mouse was a snare again. Okay. So sometimes you ask, you pressurize God that for you want something, and that something can be another snare. So be careful. That's why even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't say, "God, this cup I can't drink it." He said, "Father, if it is possible that this cup can pass me by, let it be so, but not my will, but Your will be." done okay and i think that's extremely important for us to understand so moses learned his lesson okay next generation joshua joshua was in the shadow of his master moses for many years more than 40 years you know i mean joshua was right there with him from the very beginning when god called him and Joshua was a great helper. You know, he was a great uh, servant. He was a great son to, to Moses. But also, the stature of Moses intimidated him. You know? Because when God said, now, Joshua, now it's your turn, he says, mm. how do I do that? You see, again, Joshua had to learn a lesson. That's why God told him over and over again, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Because he... he You know, he had put so much trust in Moses. But if God removes your Moses from you, you better learn to trust God. Okay? You better rely on him. And, and, you know, that's what uh, Joshua had to learn. And, you know, so every generation has to learn their own lesson. You see, uh, Moses was looking down on himself. Because for 40 years he was in, in, in Egypt and he grew to something great and then he was reduced to nothing. He was just looking for, after sheep of his, of his father-in-law. And he, he felt, you know, this was his lot. Little did he know that the best time was still coming. These this 80 years were just preparation, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert, were just preparation for the last 40 years of ministry. Okay. Many Many of us we don't realize that what we are going through is actually a preparation for what God is going to do. so never despair. never look down at the time that you are going through the chast- the, the, the t- tough, uh, tough times, the difficulties that you are facing, because everything has got its divine plan, you know everything has got its, its meaning so Joshua had a very different problem from, from uh, Moses. You know, Moses was, was uh, eloquent in the Egyptian culture. He understood everything. He had, he had uh, a, a enormous knowledge. You know, the Egyptians, we all know, they had enormous knowledge, some of it which we still don't understand today. Moses had it. But then, you know, he, he, it, there was nothing he could do with it. And so he became emptied. And that was the purpose of God, to send him into the desert, to empty him. All the Egypt, Egypt stuff had to come out. So that he could fill him with the God stuff. Okay? And God did that. God did that. Now with Joshua, he saw the godly leader that Moses now was in those 40 years. And he was intimidated. How can I ever rise to that level? How can I ever fit into the shoes of Moses? You know, what you must understand is God will never ask you to fit in the shoes of somebody else. You must know your own calling. You must hear the word of God to you. You know, be encouraged what God has done to others, but don't copy them. Don't be a copycat because you can't. Okay? And that is what God taught Joshua. That's why, you know, if you read jo- jo- Joshua 1, 2, 3, you find that God had to remind him over and over again not to be afraid, not to fear, but to trust him. Okay? Because that was his problem. So he had to learn that it was not necessary for him to fit into Moses' shoes. He was a leader of God's call in his own way. You know, Moses was no longer required. That's why he could not enter into the promised land. And what now God required was a Joshua. You know, sometimes you have an idea that God needs a, such a guy like this one, and then you try to become like that one. And meanwhile, the, 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 the time has changed. The season has changed. And God says, now, no, no, I don't need the Moses anymore. Now I need a Joshua. Okay. There will be a time coming when, I, when God doesn't need me anymore and he needs people like you. Okay, So you don't need to be fitting in my shoes, but you need to hear your call and understand what God has, has called you to do. So let the Lord guide you in everything that he calls you to do. Remember, remember Ananias. God called him God called him to one person, and that is recorded in the Bible, and he did exactly what God called him to do, and that was his, his, his work done, okay? Whatever he did afterwards, we don't know. We have no clue, but this is written, okay? That's why, you know, let's not get pressurized. You know, some of you, you are watching too much uh, uh, social media. You know, you're looking what others are doing. Forget it. Forget it. Be sure of what God has called you to do. Okay? People are confusing you. You hear that? You know, we have a we have a suicide problem. And uh, actually, last night we were discussing a little bit uh, on that in our program, and also afterwards, you know, the, the the suicide problem is not a Zambian problem. It's a worldwide problem. It's uh, now. Uh, proven, I think there have been people who have been studying that, that a lot of young people commit suicide because they feel pressured by social media, especially Instagram. Uh, if you go to Google and say Instagram and suicide, you will, you will be able to read a lot of things. Okay, so today, you know, there are, there are people building a certain image and people feel, ah, I can't cope. okay. And then they're trying to trying, and then maybe some people are insulting them, and then, you know, they're saying, I, I can't make it. These are things that we need to really, like I said earlier on, we need to grow a thick skin. You know, I mean, it's very occasionally that I, that I go on Facebook, very rarely. In fact, the, the one who is doing my Facebook is, is, is Pastor Dixon. okay? Once in a while, you know, when I see a, a message pop up, this one has, has uh, you know, said this or that, I check, what, what actually did I say, you know? Or what picture did, did, did somebody respond to? Then I know he has put a picture there and I see. And occasionally I see somebody has had a birthday, like my brother, Pastor Victor, you know, and, then I, and I write something. But uh, if I don't write to you for your birthday, please, it's not, it's not uh, ill feeling. I just, I just don't know. I'm not, I'm not checking these things. Because uh, for a while, you know, when this thing came up, uh, Facebook came up, I, 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 I was on Facebook quite a bit. And it eats your time. And then I realized I don't have that time. I just don't have that time. And, you know, whatever is on Facebook is totally inconsequential. Whether you see it or you don't see it, it doesn't matter. Okay, so for me, Facebook—the reason why I'm on Facebook is only for ministry sake, nothing else. Have you ever seen me in a restaurant eating a steak? <laughs> Where they say status, you know, status now, now, you know, or, or I'm just meeting this man or this 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 these people or whatever. Have you ever seen that? Never. Okay, because to me, this is this is futility. Okay. If I've got something to say, and thank God uh, Pastor D is very faithful. You know, he, he, he puts my messages on, on Facebook. And uh, for those who are hanging on Facebook and they read it, fine, read it, you know. Hopefully you get something out of it. But be careful. Don't waste your time on these things, okay? Now you see there is uh, Facebook, there is Instagram, there is uh, WhatsApp, there is TikTok, you know uh, and uh, the things are growing uh, every ever more you can waste your time and never achieve a thing you know why don't you do something that god calls you to accomplish okay instead of wasting your time and then when you have accomplished something you know why don't you write a, 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 a an article and once you have written it put it on facebook fine so that everybody can see it and read it but don't waste your time you know i mean to see all of these people, and sometimes now you see things which you don't even want to see, you know, these these uh, these young girls who are ever more, uh, you know, uh, removing their clothes. You know, I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Should not be should not be, you know. So please, it's not necessary. So put priorities of your life. You know, if you think you need to check Facebook, check the, just give yourself a, a time limit. I will do it in the next seven minutes, and then I'm out. Or five minutes. Because otherwise, you can you can go from one to another to another, and then you see a video, and you laugh your head off, and then you go to something else, and you cry, and, you know, all of these things. <laughs> Yeah because people are clever you know they are they are they are producing stuff for you to consume all they want is your click you know they want your like so that they can uh, feel good for themselves or make money on you so please you know have a list of priorities and that's that stuff which is not important just cut it out from your from your calendar so understand We are talking about the true image of the ecclesia, okay? We are not talking about what is commonplace as the modern church. No, church is is a problem, okay? That's why I don't want to use the word church. It's a wrong translation, number one. And then it is overloaded with stuff that is not biblical whatsoever. That's why I love the word ecclesia. It's a Greek word, but I don't mind You know, it means the people called out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay? And this is who we are. Okay? We are the people out of darkness who are now living in the light of God. But who are still passing through a lot of hardships, a lot of suffering, a lot of pressure. As we said, the sentence of this... All that we learn to rely on God and not on ourselves, okay? That we learn to live in the supernatural power of God and not in the power of the flesh. That is what God wants to teach us. And this is what God has put on my heart to share with you today. You know, I I believe this is a very important lesson and I I think it's a a natural lesson continuation from what we were looking at yesterday uh, where you know Jesus is putting emphasis on our personal relationship on Christ we are blessed if we have that personal relationship with Christ Okay, I've come to the end thank you very much for your attention and I hope uh, it has given you some food for thought I hope you have taken some notes and we have time to maybe discuss some of this later in the afternoon Uh, But I believe it's very important for us not to ignore this kind of advice. This is very important, especially in the time in which we live. So may God bless you. Thank you. Okay, so uh, I hand over to you. I don't know the time.